Kohler Mania. Thank you for joining us today. We are going through a series right now of financial stewardship. And so today we're going to hit this topic again. I am Tanya. And I'm Michael. And we are going to jump right in. We left off with financial stewardship focused on savings. And today we're going to get focused on college and learning how to save for college so that our children are not completely in debt when they come out. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Michael. Yes, it might be surprising to people in this day and age, how in the world can we get through college without any debt? It's in the news a lot lately. So many people are strapped with college debt. They don't have the jobs and the income to be able to pay back this debt in any uh, reasonable amount of time. And they're really struggling with the student loans. It's like, can we get our children through college without having that student loan at all? And so as part of good stewards and not being strapped with debt, as the Bible says that the the debtor is slave to the lender, we want to make sure that we're not enslaved to the debt that we may have. And so a big part of that is is student loans. And so we wanted to take a special focus on that and see if we can get ourselves thinking and how we can get through college without any kind of student loans. And what, what I'm hearing out there from the experts uh, in this area, the general r- wisdom seems to be that uh, saving for college should be a collaborative effort between the child and the parent. This is a big expense. So it shouldn't be just left to the child or otherwise they're more than likely going to come out with a very large amount of student loan debt. Parents shouldn't pay it all either because we want the child to have an investment in their college education, that sweat equity to where they really see how important it is and how much it costs. They can feel it. They've already worked all their life for school uh, and saved for it. They're working through school. And so they um, are paying for a good portion of it as well. So they don't just go and party, not really realizing that this actually costs somebody something. So we don't, as parents, if we even if we're able to pay for all of school, the general wisdom is not to do that, that the kids should pay a good portion of that themselves and have that sweat equity involved. But saving for college needs to be something that happens right from the start. This is where we can start right from birth almost when we're giving our kids allowances or pay for doing chores and we're first giving tithe off the bat. That's the first thing. What do you do with the first 10%? And then what do you do with the next 10 or 15 that's where you put that in the long-term savings jar, you know, and as they get older, as in middle school and high school and certainly through college where they're working for their own, a larger percentage of whatever they make should go into that long-term saving for school um, or for other needs that they may have. I mean, they may not go to college, but more than likely they're going to have to go to some kind of trade school or some kind of education uh, certifications that they may need. And so they're going to need to save up for that as well. Uh, As far as the parents, Dave Ramsey is our kind of go-to person right now. He seems to be the big Christian speaker on uh, the subject of finances. And he suggests the Coverdale Education Savings Account, the ESA, as the primary way to save for college as far as 
parents. And there's limits on how much you can save per year. They change often. All these limits change. So you always got to check the current limit. But I I believe the current limit is $2,000 a year uh, per child. And so Dave Ramsey suggests save until you reach that limit into the the Coverdale. What's great about the Coverdale ESA is you can choose whatever you want to invest it in. You go to your financial planner and you've got whatever portfolio or mutual funds that you would like to invest in at whatever risk tolerance that you have. And you just put it designated as a Coverdale ESA. It's that simple. So you got all these different options that you can use and just uh, label it as a Coverdale ESA. But there's a $2,000 limit. So if you reach that limit, then after that, open up a 529. Every state has a 529 plan. Both these 529 and Coverdales are just like your Roths and your retirement plans that grow tax-free and you can take them out tax-free to use for educational purposes. You cannot beat that. I mean, that's a way to really take a good advantage of savings to be able to be tax-free growth and then take it out completely tax-free. If you just save for college in a mutual fund, if you take out a $100,000 for $100,000 tuition, a good portion of that's going to go to taxes first and it's not going to go to your education. But if it's under a Coverdale or a 529, that whole $100,000 can go towards education. So you can't beat that for saving for education. But once the Coverdale is used up, then look at the 529. Every state has a 529 plan that you can use. Here's where you don't have, where Dave Ramsey doesn't like the 529 as well as the Coverdale is because you don't have much options. You have to go with what options your state gives you to invest in. But if you don't like what your state has, you don't have to just go with your state. You could choose any state. You can shop around and and look around to the different states and what the different plans they have. You can get on YouTube or other sources that can have people that have different opinions on what state has the best 529 plans and invest uh, in theirs. So you do have those options, but you can't just choose any investment that you want. You have to choose whatever the state has structured in the 529 plans, but there are no limits. Uh, The only limit is you don't want to invest too much in it to where you won't end up using it all for education because whatever is not used for education, there will be, you will have to pay the taxes on it plus a 10% penalty. Those are the two main ways to, to save for education is to start a Coverdale up to that $2,000 limit. If you go past that, then open up a 529. And as soon as a child is born as parents, set up that 529 or Coverdale. Another option for people that might worry if they're, what if my child doesn't end up going to school, gets a scholarship or something and don't have to use this education. I'm going to have to pay the taxes plus a 10% penalty. Um, those that worry about that or if their children will go to, to college, one option is a Roth. If the general rule is not to use retirement savings for your child's education, because your child has plenty of time to kind of recover from any financial mistakes that we all make through life. We all, we know, nobody does this perfectly. And you have time to kind of recover from mistakes that we might have made in the past. Um, and your child's going to have some time to recover from being able to have to take out a loan or something for school, but your retirement's not going to have much time to recover if you're really close to retirement. So the general rule is not to use any retirement income, uh, even if you're not close to retirement, because that's money that 
needs to be staying in there to grow. So don't use your retirement income. But if you've already are saving everything you want to save and what's suggested to save, you got 15% that's coming out. You've got opportunities through work that you're you're able to have a, a employer match with, with a Roth 401k, or you, you, it's, it's more advantageous in your situation to invest in 401ks than a Roth. You might have some Roth left over. And if you do, it's a good place to actually save for school for your child. If you'll be 59 and a half by the time they'll go to school, which is the age that you can take a Roth out and use it for whatever you want to, to include education. So that could be uh, an option. Plus a Roth, any contribution that you make, you can take out and use for anything without paying uh, taxes or a 10% penalty in it. So if you've put in $100,000 over the years in your Roth and it grew to $500,000, you can take the 100000 out. You can take the 100000 out and use it for anything. You've already paid taxes on it. And so you can take what you've actually put into it, but you can't take any of the growth out. But if you're 59 and a half, you can take it all out and use it for whatever you want. So that may be an option. And so uh, we used that option, right? Yeah, I know we struggled with that a little bit, but I do like that option because We can use it for whatever we need to use it, not necessarily for her college. If she decides not to go to college, it could be for her wedding. It could be for a gift for her down the road, or it could be for retirement if she gets a full scholarship. So I did like that option. So we went ahead and went with that, just giving us more opportunity to invest our money. I like having options. And so- since we did have a Roth left over, uh, we were maximizing what we wanted to and what is suggested for retirement savings. And we still had some Roth contribution that we could still do. And so that seemed to be the best option. So if our one child doesn't need it for whatever reason, gets a scholarship or doesn't go to any kind of school, then we can just use it for our retirement or we, or like you said, we can use it for wedding. We can use it for absolutely anything. I wish, I wish all savings were, were like that, that if there was just a, a retirement slash education fund, you could use these funds for either education or retirement, but we can only go with what the government gives us for tax advantaged savings. And they do want to influence us and reward us for saving for retirement and saving for school and these are the options that they have. But that is a big worry with a lot of parents. What if my child doesn't go to school and that Roth may be an option? For many, it's not an option. And then they have to weigh whether they want to take the 10% penalty possibility if their child or any of their children don't use any of this money for education. But keep in mind, a Coverdale and a 529 can be also be used for primary school expenses. So you can use, if you see that your children aren't going to go to college, you can use this money for to send them to private school or any kind of expenses associated with school. They also transfer to other kids. So if one child that the 529 plan is in and they're not going to use it, you transfer it to one of your other children. Uh, even relative children, I believe, can qualify for transferring it to them as as well. Trade schools also qualify. Any qualified trade school? So I don't know what the odds are that our children are really going to get through this life without 
needing to go to college or any kind of trade school or certification that's going to cost money. To me, I think the odds are they're going to end up needing the money that we end up savings. It's there if they want to go back to school to get added school for graduate degrees and things like that. So to me, in my opinion, I am not a financial planner or expert. Neither of us are financial experts. We're not trying to to be your financial planners per se. We're trying to teach what and apply what we've learned from the experts. But to me, it just seems like in most cases, it's probably worth the 10% penalty, which to me is not overly excessive. To me, it's going to hurt when you got to take that 10% penalty when it comes, if it's used for something else other than for education. But to me, it seems like it puts you more back into the position of having would have placed it your money into a simple mutual fund that doesn't have all these tax advantages on for the growth and being able to take it out tax-free. It's growing tax-free. So not only do you have to pay the taxes, but a 10% penalty of that money that would have been taxed that now we put back into the fund, the tax advantaged fund and get further in investment growth on it. So to me, it's just putting you back into to the position of a mutual fund. So if you're like, well, I want to put it into, do I put this money into college savings or go ahead and put it in a mutual fund? Because I'm not sure they're going to use it for college. If it were me, if there's any chance, and I'm thinking there's probably a good chance they're going to go to college, I would take the risk of the 10% penalty instead of putting it in a mutual fund because the 10% penalty, if they not use it, is more than likely, at least very closely, going to put it back into the position of what I would have put it into a mutual fund with, without all the tax ad- advantages. So I don't think the 10% penalty is overly excessive. It's not intended to be punitive, but more likely to just put you in the position, depending on your circumstances, but to put it back in the position of just being in a normal mutual fund she should have saved it in if it wasn't going to be for college. But you know, there's other options that parents often bring up is going to the military in order to have the GI Bill for the military to pay for school or other options uh, in order to get through school without uh, any student loan. Certainly applying for scholarships. You hear everywhere that there's just tons of money left on the table for scholarships, that there's a lot of scholarships out there that have nobody apply for them. They just have to wait till the following year and keep advertising it. The leaders of these scholarships are constantly saying if somebody would apply and is anywhere near qualified for it, there's a good chance that they would just give it to them, even if they're not completely qualified. They usually have to struggle if they don't qualify at all, whether you give them the money because they're the only ones that applied but if there's a good chance for a lot of these scholarships, if you in some way, shape or form can make an argument that you qualify for that scholarship and you're the only one that applied, that you're probably going to get that scholarship. Now, a lot of these scholarships are like $500 here, a couple hundred dollars there. And so it takes a lot of applying, but it adds up. And perhaps one of the jobs that our our high schoolers need to have is applying for multiple uh, scholarships so that it can add up to paying for a good amount of their school by getting a lot of a lot of these scholarships. Another way we already talked about this is the importance of really instilling a strong work ethic in our children to save for college right from birth. It makes me chuckle when I say that, but you have a a two-year-old that's already saving for college or, you know, a three-year-old or four-year-old who's doing chores and we're giving them money for chores and we're already saying, you know, take out 15 
percent of that and put it in that long-term savings jar. And then in middle school, high school, and college where they are working jobs that get more money, a larger percentage should go towards that savings, working summers and weekends, not in a way that will hinder their school, but they need to be building up that sweat equity Mm -hmm. Uh, when they pay for school. They see how important it is and how expensive it is. And they're not just getting a free ride on somebody else's dime to just go there and party and not do so well on their grades. So they're paying for a good portion of their their college all the way through as well. There's many that have the strategy of going back to school if they still need some time to find themselves. There's so many kids that spend a lot of money jumping around from major to major trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. And they end up spending a lot more in school than is very efficient. And so some suggest that maybe if they don't quite know what they want to do, Yet that they spend some time out in the workforce and find their niche and then go back to schools, perhaps at night and online schools in in order to finish up there. The important thing is to kind of brainstorm, to be thinking, don't just be thinking, oh, I want to go to school. Let me just go to school. Doesn't matter how much it is. Let me just finance it all and come out of school with this big financial debt. And part of that is we need to have a good discussion with our children about where they want to go to school, what they want to major in. A big part of this big crisis in student loans, our kids going to very expensive schools and then majoring in something like pottery, you know, because they like it or even something like history, which is a good degree, but they don't plan on teaching it. They just like it. And then they want to come out of school and they don't want a job in history or anything in their field. They're just taking it for the fun of it. And it's like, that's expensive. And if they're taking out loans for that, you can take history classes on the side somewhere else or read books on your own about history. When we go to school and we're ended up spending a lot of money on a degree, we want to make sure that it's something that's marketable, that we can get a good job with. Other strategies include going to community college, certainly going to in-state schools instead of -of out-of-state schools, going to online schools, staying at home in some way. We would, of course, also suggest going to a Christian school with a good Christian worldview might be part of the discussion as well with our children. But You know, I kind of wish I had thought more about this and somebody might have brought this up into my thinking as I was going to school. I know for me, I went to Florida State University and I knew I couldn't afford to go there all four years. So at least I thought of going to a community college to start off with to save as much as I could for the school, then going to a school nearby and be able to stay at home for more of the general ed classes and then going to Florida State just for my major. I even took an intern in my major near home so I could do the internship at home while taking that internship and save money that way in order to get out of undergrad without any student loan debt. My parents had to really help me out with Florida State. I was able to pay my whole way through community college and the local school, but Florida State, the very first semester, wiped everything else out of savings that I had. And my parents had to help me out with the rest. But why did I go to Florida State? I was getting into police work. I could have gone to any school and gotten that major anywhere. And so 
Why did I want to go to Florida State? I grew up in Tallahassee, right by Florida State, and I I fell in love with the school. And so, you know, my parents wanted us to go to a school that we really wanted to go to and could be excited about. And there's some merit in that. But at the same time, instead of just accepting, oh, he's excited about this school, he's really in love with this school, that's where he wants to go, let's help him go there. Even just bringing up the conversation that, you know, you can go to school and get this major in state and save a whole lot of money and with the same exact degree and um, not have all this money being spent which could have been in debt. I didn't go into debt, but it's still a lot of money that I could have kept in my savings. My parents could have kept in their savings for other uses. It's worth that conversation. And then after college, I decided to go to law school as a backup plan to police work, knowing that most police officers don't do this very long. And so I wanted to go ahead and have a second career lined up in law. And so I came out of law school with $80,000 student loan debt. And how's a police officer going to pay for that, especially starting out when you're making next to nothing? You know, maybe it's worth the conversation about maybe going back to law school if that's what you decide you want to do towards the end of your career, maybe going at at night somewhere. It's worth the conversation. It's one of the biggest contributors to having debt from student loans is going to very expensive schools with very expensive majors and then not getting a job that can pay back those loans because the degree is not setting the person up for a good enough job for that. So we've got to weigh those kind of things and we've got to discuss that with our kids who who don't have life experience to kind of realize the full impact of these decisions. And so we need to bring it up with them and talk it out with them as well. Now, one last question that people may have is, all right, I'm tapped out with savings. We're doing all we can. We just had a child or we have several children and we're not saving. How do we find money in order to save for this child? And Tanya had a great idea with this. If she could share that and coming up with some savings uh, in order to put into what was our Roth, but could be anybody's 529 or Coverdale. I basically reviewed all of our monthly payments that we have coming in and out and just decided to call different companies like the phone company, the power company, um, the trash company, and compared what I was paying being a loyal customer and asking what can they do for me to continue. And I remember the trash company was like, I'll go ahead and give you, you know, three months free if you sign us up for a year. And the payment was smaller because there was a new trash company coming down uh, our neighborhood trying to solicit business. And even with cable, I didn't realize that we had back then two DVRs, I guess that's kind of old school, but we had two DVRs and one we were not using. So that was money that was going out that was unnecessary. And then having to reevaluate our cable payments and things like that, I was able to save, I think it was like over two or $300 a month, just at looking at the monthly things that go out. And a lot of times we get 
blindsided by subscriptions, little things that we decide, oh, we'll sign up for that. We'll sign up for that. And we'll sign up for that. And next thing you know, you've got a hundred dollars just going out in subscriptions. So I think it's really good to do a, maybe a yearly check on your finances to see where you can save money. We recently just did that with our phones and we're saving, I think over $70 now a month. So it's, good to call and ask because companies want your business. And so if you can save some money, you can use that money and reallocate it versus spending it on something that you want, but more so just being wise and investing that money. Yeah. I thought that was a great idea. We were tapped out on everything that we could save on. And yet when we had our child, it's like, we need to start saving for college right now. So we can start getting that accumulated interest on it. And where are we going to get the money to save? We've got everything designated that we can do already. I love the idea, whatever we can find savings on anything that we already have going on and we can save money, we'll just put that in our education account. And Tanya found $300 a month to save. And so we were able to put $300 a month into our daughter's college education fund By the time she graduates for college, if that didn't grow at all, we just put it in a shoebox, it comes out to like $64,000 for education. Who knows? That could be anywhere from with interest, compound interest can be anywhere from around two, three hundred thousand $300,000 just for college. And so that was all from not even trying to save more money. That was, we just took money that we were already spending and that we were in effect wasting because we found, Tanya found savings in that and she just put it straight into the college savings plan. And so unique ways like that, I've heard of people wanting to stop coffee, that they drink coffee every day and that can add up, whether that's a dollar or two a day, that can end up being People spend $30 or so a month on coffee. That's $30 a month that can go into a college education fund. So there's some that decide to give up coffee and put it in their education fund. Or, you know, there's there's other things like that we can find that we're willing to give up. We sacrifice a lot for our kids, you know. And so that's one of the things you say, I sacrifice coffee for you, child. You're going to, you're going to college uh, or and you're going to do well and apply yourself. And, and there's so many alternatives now with actually doing college at home with internet and having online colleges. So that could be options as well. And there's just so many options available. The Lord knows and the Lord knows the plan of your children. And it is our plan to just keep praying and at least be prepared and store up for those moments that college does appear or something big is necessary. Yes. And it can definitely be done by being a little creative, by not going into debt to pay for school. My brother paid his whole way through college. He saved all his money or most of it while working in middle school and high school and then continued to work his way through school and stayed at home and commuted to a local school nearby and got paid it all himself without going into any debt. And so it can be done. The big worry is where a child wants to major in pottery and go to a very expensive school and have their mindset on that. We need to change our thinking with that 
change our thinking from the paradigm of just let's finance it and go to debt and be thinking about unique ways and where we can go to school and how to do it in order to get out without any debt. This is great advice. And we are so thankful that we can talk through this and share our experiences with others and really just keeping the Lord first in everything that we do with our finances, because ultimately it is his money and we are stewards of the money that he's allowed us to manage over. So if we plan ahead of time, the Lord will bless it. As we continue to move forward, we have no idea the Lord could come tomorrow, but we plan because we want to be prayerful parents to help to provide for our children as well. And with that, we will end this podcast. And I think we have a couple additional series that we will continue to tackle to finish up the financial stewardship series. And what are those remaining topics? Some important odds and ends that we want to make sure that we teach our children about finances, as well as just a closer look on uh, what Dave Ramsey says about teaching our children through chores and allowances, although he does not like the word allowances. <laughs> and so, but we'll talk about that. Great. That is, that's awesome. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, we pray that it encourages you. We pray that it is something that is useful for your family and that you honor God with your first fruits of your labor. We are thankful for you guys. And with that, we're thankful for all of our listeners and we're truly blessed. Until next time. God bless. God bless.